Well, good morning, ARC. So good to see everyone. Um, I want to ask if everyone will stand for the reading of God's word. Um, If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We have some people that will be coming down, (laughs) Um, coming down and handing out Bibles in the aisles. So if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Some Bibles over here to the right. Let me find out. ARC members need some Bibles. What's going on? (laughs) Amen. If you receive the Bible and, and you don't have one at home, please keep that and bring that home. That's yours. We're going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1 through 9. I'm asked that y'all would please bear with me. I'm still recovering from a cold, so my voice may give out here and there, but by God's grace, we'll make it through the sermon. Um, So be praying for me, please. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And God's word reads, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who crept into households and capture weak women, who creep into households and capture weak women, Burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jimbres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of of these two men, of those two men. Um, Please be seated and let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I ask now that 
you would help me. Help me to speak with clarity, Father. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Father, I pray that your word would drop like a hammer. I pray that you would bring conviction of sin. I pray that you would bring encouragement. I pray that you would cause our hearts to rejoice in Jesus. And I pray, Father, that you would humble us in your presence by your word. Father, remove the distractions. Help us, Father, to give our undivided attention to your word. Help us, Father, to not be distracted by lesser things. But help us to have an undivided attention to what it is you want to say to us. Father, I pray that you would help me to decrease so that you can increase. Lord, you must become greater, and I must become less. We want the spotlight to shine on Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can deliver. He's the only one who can save. He's the only one that can set free. And he's the only one that we can go through to get to you. Your word says that no man comes to God unless the Spirit of God draws him. So, Lord, would you draw those who may be here this morning who don't know you? Would you draw unbelievers to yourself? Would you open their eyes to behold Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior, and the all-glorious one? Would you do that in your mercy and in your kindness? And we will rejoice over your goodness. We pray this in the name of your matchless son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I was just doing some research as I was thinking through this passage, and I was looking at news reports and looking at Wikipedia and just other things, and I was reading over the massacre that happened in Las Vegas. And I read it before. I've read different news reports before, but I felt led to pray for the people in Las Vegas this morning and was just reading through what happened on October 1st. And this is one of the things that I read. On October 1st, 2017, a gunman opened fire on a crowd of 22,000 concert goers at Route 95 at a Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas. 58 people died. 58 people who have been created in God's image, died. 58 people died and 546 people were injured. 546 people injured. 
between 10.05 and 10.15, the 64-year-old man from Nevada fired hundreds of rifle rounds from his suite on on the 32nd floor of a nearby hotel. About an hour after he fired his last shot into the crowd, he was found dead in his room from a self-afflicted gunshot wound. His motives are unknown. The incident is the deadliest mass shooting committed by an individual in the United States. Last Sunday, when I came home from service, my wife said to me, Jill, did you hear about that shooting that just happened in the church? The church in Texas. And I was like, no, I didn't hear about that. So I, I did some research. And this is what I found. ABC News reports, an armed gunman opened fire inside a Texas church on Sunday. This is last Sunday. Opened fire on a church in Texas, killing more than two, th- two dozen people. I think it was 26 people to be exact that died. This gunman won in the church and just started shooting people up. 26 people died, including an unborn child that was in a woman's belly. It went on to say two dozen people died in the largest mass shooting in the state's history, the state of, of Texas. This is what officials said. Here's something that stuck out to me about these two shootings. They both said this, whether it was Las Vegas that said, this incident is the deadliest shooting by an individual in the United States, or in Texas, whether it said, this is the largest mass shooting in the state of Texas. What stuck out to me was, the statement that this is the largest. This is the largest. And it's just very evident when you see evil like this that we are in the last days. When you see evil like this, we are in hard times, difficult times, tough times. I mean, what makes a human being just reload guns and shoot and kill person after person after person after person after person from a hotel room and doesn't stop but picks up another gun and shoots more people and more people and more people and doesn't stop but reloads and shoots more people and more people and more people? What makes a person do that? What makes someone come into a church and shoot up people who are worshiping God? This is demonic. This is devilish. 
when we hear stories like this, this should cause us as the people of God to pray. So before going any further, I just want to take a moment for us to go to God and pray for our country. To pray for all of the things that are going on right now and to pray that we would have hope. So let's seek the Lord in prayer. Father, we need your help to understand and deal with the darkness we see and hear about, Father. It can be depressing. It can be crushing. It can steal from our hope. Father, I don't have hope in the policies of our government. Father, I don't have hope as I want to in my neighbor's Father, help us to trust in you, Lord God. Father, you sent your son into a world filled with darkness to bring about salvation, to bring about life, to bring deliverance from the devil. Yes, Lord. Father, we ask for your grace for your people, Lord God. For those in Texas in that church, our brothers and sisters, we don't know but who are our family. Father, bring them comfort. And Father, for our neighbors and our brothers and sisters affected in Nevada, Father, we pray for your comfort. We need your comfort, Lord God. We need your grace. Father, we're just so thankful for the hope that we have in Christ. Yes. That he will come and all of this will come to an end. Thank you, God. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Let the injustices come to an end. Mm. Let the works of the devil be destroyed in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, you've been risen from the dead. You've been ascended to the right hand of the Father until all of your enemies are brought under your feet. Yes, Lord. We believe that. Evil is going to come to an end and your kingdom is coming. Lord God, your kingdom come in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God, until your kingdom does come, we need to be anchored in you, oh God. We need you, Lord, and we come to you because we know that you're the one that can meet all of our needs. We are in difficult times. We are in these days. Um, but Lord, we place our hope in you. 
um, not in horses, not in chariots, um, not in our own intellect, our self-will. Um, we place our hope in you and we anchor ourselves um, to your promises and your word. Indeed, Lord, we, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Father, as evil and despair is all around us, Help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to, our hearts to be encouraged and hope in you. Yes. For you said that you will make all things right. Oh God, help, hope, help us to um, wait on you with encouragement. Um, Father, we thank you for your word. Um, that is where we place our hope. Lord, I pray that um, while we do wait on you, um, that we would our hearts would be broken, our hearts would be um, softened, and that we would be fueled to share the gospel um, of Jesus Christ yes, so God, that we would all Christ. have this hope that you said in your word that we hope to see you one day and to be like you. And all of us who have this hope, we purify ourselves. So Lord, cause us to, um, even in great despair, to know that we have hope in a God who is sovereign and mighty um, and able to save and so cause us to, to live in light of this amazing truth that that would encourage us, that that would fuel our evangelism, that that would fuel our joy even in the midst of dark and darkness. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, um, today on this uh, Sunday, November 12th, 2017, you have given us more grace. Um, with all the tragedies that have happened, Lord, you still have remained faithful. Lord, you are sovereign and are in control and that gives us great hope um, Father you have given us an expectation of future good in your word Yes, you have told us Lord that this world is temporary that you have gone and sent your son to prepare a place for us Lord that we will be in your presence forever hallelujah Father God, you have sent your son to die on the cross for sins and be risen on the third day, Father God, showing that you are good. Father God, you have called us, Lord, to put our hope and our trust in your gospel, Lord. You have changed us into new creatures, Lord. Father God, you have given us a mandate to go out and preach your gospel, Father God. Father God, let the church step up, Lord, and do what we are supposed to do in the midst of an evil world, in the midst of an evil generation, Lord, yes, yes. in the midst of a world with a date on it, Lord. Mm. You have a date set when your son is going to come back and mm. all of this is going to be wrapped up, Lord. Mm. Mm. So what will we do in the meantime, mm. Father God? Mm. 
Will we be, will we be like um, the man in Scripture who said, send me, I'll go? Hmm. Father God, will we waste our time in Southeast, Lord? Or hmm. will we make the most, Lord, of the time and the seasons, Father God? Hmm. Will we be like men that have the appearance of, of, of godliness, Lord, hmm. but deny your power? Father God, or will we put in work? Father God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us your word. Lord, let us see the urgency, Father God, of the calling that you placed on the church, Lord. We are the church, not Anacostia High School. The people that's in here are the church, Lord. Mm, mm. And we have a mandate, Father God, to preach your gospel, Lord. So I pray, Father God, as we see, like we see the leaves falling off the trees, Lord, we know that winter is approaching, Father God. As we see all the crime and the hurt and the pain and the devastation, Father God, that we will understand that, yes, we are in the last days, Father God. And that even more, Father God, we will go out, Lord. And share the good news of the gospel that we will tell men made in your image, Father God, that they can be saved. Father, you did it for us, Father. So let us do it for others. Yes. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Father, we pray that you would take these prayers and do far more abundantly than anything we can ask or think. According to your Holy Spirit at work within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we could turn on the news and see what's going on, hear what's going on, and hear all of the different things that are going on. And there could be a tendency for us to become discouraged. There could be a tendency for us to fear. When you think of the things that I just read about or what ISIS is doing or when you think of the things that are going on in the world that's weighing us down, whether it be racial injustice or just whatever it is. There's so many things that can cause us to be so burdened and so heavy. But as Rick was praying, I was reminded um, that there is a date (laughs) when Jesus will return and make all things right. And there's a text that that I want to read. This is from Luke 21. Uh, This is for our encouragement. Luke 21, verses 25 through 28, reads, And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding, meaning a feeling that something bad will happen. So they're going to have this feeling of fear of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 27 reads, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power, in great glory. Now listen to this encouragement. This is verse 28. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up 
and rise your heads because your redemption is drawn near. So it says when all these things are happening, while everyone else is fearing and trembling and so afraid, as believers, we are to straighten up, rise our heads, looking forward to the return of Jesus because we understand his promises. We know that we're going to be with him. We know that he's going to vindicate the righteous. And we know that all of this is coming to an end. He's going to set everything straight. So as you hear these things, don't fear. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Straighten up. Rise your head up, ARC. And look to the king of glory who's going to return. Amen? Amen. So, Nut Larson said of these nine verses that we're looking at in chapter 3, he said of these nine verses, Paul described for Timothy the downward slide of society and mankind which will proceed with worsening effects during the last days. The moral center of men and women will spin out of control. From this portrayal comes a mandate. Believers must reject all false teachers and their ideas. Enduring the difficult days in which they live. Scripture stands as the foundation for truth. We must preserve an integrity and submit to its transforming power. The days following Jesus' ascension into heaven are marked by progressive selfishness and moral degeneration. Christians must not be alarmed or discouraged by the breakdown of society. God still reigns. End of quote. God still reigns. God still reigns. He's reigning and ruling over every single inch of this planet, even the dust particle that falls from the ceiling. He reigns. But we still need to be mentally prepared to face these difficulties in the last days. That's what we see Paul doing with Timothy. He's preparing him to face these these different difficulties that he was facing and that he would face. And he tells Timothy, you got to be prepared, man, because there's going to be people doing all kind of evil things and all kind of evil is going to go on. And even in the midst of all of this evil going on, there's going to be false teachers and false preachers that's going to rise up even within the church. So we're going to see in these nine verses this. In verse 1, we're going to see the last days. In verses 2 through 4, we're going to see these false teachers, their their misplaced love. In verse 5, we're going to see that these people, these false teachers, have a religion that is only show. 
And in verses 6 through 9, we're going to see that they oppose the truth. So verse 1, the last days. Verse 2 through 4, their love is misplaced. Verse 5, their religion is a show. And verses 6 through 9, they oppose the truth. In the first verse, we see the main point of the paragraph. Verse 1 says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. From the very beginning, he's just making it very clear. In the last days, there's going to come times of difficulty. And we can see from the rest of the verses that Timothy is already in that difficulty. Right now, we are facing all kinds of difficulties. From the time that Jesus ascended all the way till now, we are in the last days, brothers and sisters. And because of that, we have to be sober-minded. Because of that, we have to prepare our hearts to face all of the different hardships that we will experience. And the only way to do that is to keep our vision, our eyes, our minds, and our affections centered on Jesus. He says, understand this, in the last days there will, come to become, there will be times of difficulty. But notice that Jesus said that all who are godly are going to face persecution. We're going to go through things. James makes it very clear. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, various kinds, different sorts of trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect in you that, that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. As believers, we're going to have trials, we're going to have hardships, we're going to live in a world that's faced with all kinds of difficulties, but because God reigns, we will persevere to the end. We see in verses 2 through 4 that these false teachers that Paul is addressing have misplaced love. Verse 2 says, for people will be lovers of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. Verse 2 starts by saying they will be lovers of self. They're going to have this love for self, which is the total opposite of what Philippians 2 says, right? Where it says to count others more significant than yourself. To not only look to your interests, but to the interests of others. Paul is saying there's going to be people that's going to be so focused on self. Let me just read through this list. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. He says in the last days, people are going to be heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. Without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than God. Here's some definitions. Lover of self means just what it says, a lover of self. You just love yourself. Think of all the songs that are being sung about love yourself, love yourself. Well, that's the total opposite of what God tells us to do. 
The greatest commandment is to love him with all of our heart, body, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So we love God, and then we love neighbor. So there's this outward focus of loving people because we've been so affected by God's love that it causes us to love other people. That's why the Bible says that, that we're controlled by love, constrained by love, compelled by love. But it says that these, these people, these false teachers, they're going to be lovers of self. And when you're a lover of self, then that leads to you being a lover of money. Because you want to find ways to satisfy yourself consistently. So money becomes an idol, right? And remember what Jesus said. He said, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love one or hate the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't love God and you can't love money at the same time. God must be your God. But he says these people, they're going to they're love self. They're going to love money because they just want to please themselves. They want to focus on self. And then he says, man, they're, they're going to be proud. They're going to be proud. It could be translated boastful, arrogant, conceited. Paul mentions this same character three times. So he's constantly saying arrogant, proud, conceited. This is what you're going to see in the last days. This people who are proud and arrogant and conceited. These people who are overconfident in their skills, accomplishments, possessions, positions. People who brag on themselves, but they're not bragging on God. Proud, proud, arrogant, the same as proud, when you think you are better than others. That's not the character of God. When people think that they're better than others, that's not the character of God. Abusive, the Greek word here means to be a a blasphemer, one who seeks evil, against someone and disrespectfully um, projects evil towards God. It goes on to say disobedient to parents, that people in the last days are going to be disobedient to parents. You're going to see this disobedience that arises in children. It's not uncommon to see children hit, kick, talk back to their parents, it even seems normal nowadays when it shouldn't. And and the Bible says you're going to have children that are disobedient to their parents. When the Bible makes it very clear, uh, clear to honor and respect and love your parents. Goes on to say ungrateful meaning you don't feel or show thankfulness, but rather you grumble. You complain. You are unpleasant and unkind. goes on to say unholy, not given or showing reverence for God, being evil and morally wrong. goes on to say in this list, heartless. Heart, that's what the Bible says. People are going to be heartless. 
you just heard the stories that I've read, people are going to be heartless, not having natural affection towards others. Unloving and lacking compassion. You'll have uh, parents who are really loved by their children who really won't have an affection for children. And you'll have children who are really loved by parents, but the children won't have a natural affection for their parents. They'll just do whatever because they'll lack this affection. They'll be heartless, unappeasable, meaning unwilling to be reconciled in their differences, in their conflicts, in their opinions. You'll try to tell someone, man, this is wrong, and they're like, man, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to hear that. I'm unwilling to hear what you have to say. I'm unwilling to be reconciled. Unwilling. Slanderous. Listen to this one. Slanderous. To speak critically of another. Falsely accuse another. Now listen to this. The Greek word um, for slanderous is diabolos. Diabolos is the word for Satan. It's the word for devil. So we, you know, a lot of us just kind of think slander, it's, it's a sin, but it's not really a big thing. But this word in the Greek is diabolos here, meaning Satan, devil, slander is demonic. And remember what the Bible says. The Bible makes it very clear um, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So when there's conversations that are just happen about a bro- happening about a brother or sister behind someone's back, and you're maybe talking about them and so forth and slandering them, and you may think that it's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's sin, and it's sin in God's eyes. And the Bible says that people are just going to do that more and more and more in the last days. And then it says that they're going to be without self-control. There's going to be no self-control with these false teachers and with people. No self-control. Not having the ability to control one's emotions, desires, or behavior. You know? Resting on that saying, uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I remember being on a plane going to Las Vegas, and I remember just the conversations that people were having about how they were going to sin when they got there, how they were going to give into these various things, and laughing and giggling and rejoicing about these things. Like it was fun to talk about sin. And I remember the, the person who was flying the plane when it came to a stop for everyone to get off the plane. I remember the pilot saying, um, it's not true that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> and I don't know what the pilot meant by that, but what I do know is that the Bible says that God sees everything. And every person, the Bible says in Hebrews, is naked and exposed before God to who they will have to give an account. 
the word goes on to say that they'll be brutal, very violent and aggressive. Not loving good, hating and opposing what is good. The Bible says that people will be treacherous, a traitor. They'll be backstabbers. Reckless. People will be reckless. People are reckless right now, not thinking or caring about the consequences of their actions, not giving a rip about their actions. And then this is the one that, I mean, that whole list is super sobering, but this is the one that really gets me. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Again, their, their, their love is misplaced. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will be in love with what temporarily gratifies, what temporarily satisfies, what temporarily gives them enjoyment. Galatians 5, 16 through 21 says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, robberies, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is sobering. And the reason why this is sobering, because every last one of us can find ourselves somewhere in this list. Now, these are people who are in the last days, these false teachers that Paul is addressing, these are people who are doing this and they're not repenting. But every last one of us could find ourselves in this list. So as you hear these things, I know as I hear them, I'm like, Lord, forgive me. I, I do think there's been many of ways that I've been a lover of self. I do think that there's ways that I've loved money at times. And there's a whole bunch of other things in this list that I am guilty of. But in God's eyes... Myself and you, if you have repented of your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are not guilty in God's eyes. Now, if you are one of these individuals in this list who has not repented of their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ, I want to let you know that you may be in this list. As a matter of fact, you may be everything in this list. But I want to let you know also that there's a person, a person named Jesus Christ who was born of a virgin, who walked this earth and was tempted in every single way like you and I, but he never ever gave in to sin, not one time. 
This list here, he was never guilty of anything in this list. He's perfect, he's blameless, he kept God's law perfectly, and he never ever sinned against God. Where you and I have sinned, where you and I are guilty, where you and I have fallen short, where you and I deserve hell because we have fallen short, Jesus Christ never fell short, and he has made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. You know how? In the fullness of time, this Christ who kept God's law perfectly and never sinned, he was crucified on a cross. They murdered him. They murdered the only one who walked this earth who was perfect. They murdered the only one who was never, ever guilty of anything. The one who is blameless. The one who was and is blameless. They crucified him on the cross. And the Bible says on that cross, Jesus bore the sins of the world inside of his body. This whole list, he bore that inside his body. And the Bible says that the just, furious wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was crushed in the place of sinners. He was crushed for those who are lovers of self. He was crushed for those who are lovers of money. He was crushed for the proudful. He was crushed for arrogant, abusive people. He was crushed for treacherous, reckless people. People who are full of conceit. People who love pleasure more than God. He was crushed so that sinners like us could be made righteous. So that sinners like us could be made blameless. So that sinners like us are given a new title, which is the righteousness of God. If you have repented of your sin and put your trust in Jesus, this list doesn't define you. And if you have not repented of your sin, this list still defines you and the wrath of God will be poured out upon you. Unless you repent, turn from your sin, and put your, your trust and hope in Jesus Christ. You must cast yourself upon the only one who's able to save. You must cast yourself upon the only one who is able to give life. The only one that is able to raise you from the dead spiritually and give you eternal life. The Bible says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You need a savior. And forgiveness is a gift. But you must put your trust and faith in your only hope. And that hope is Jesus. Come. Come. Don't harden your heart. Come. Come while you still have breath. Come while you still have warm blood in your veins. And give yourself to the only one who can present you flawless in front of the Father. He will do it. But you must give yourself to him. Verse 5 says that these, these religious false teachers 
will have a religion that's nothing but show. Notice what verse 5 says. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. He says, Timothy, avoid such people. Now, this is crazy. These people who are filled with all these things, he's saying that they're, they're even going to be religious. That they're even going to have this appearance of godliness, but they're going to deny the power. Now, this is sobering. Because people can come to church all their lives, sing songs, sit under preaching, and still deny God's power. I mean, just think about it. Here in this room, we all appear to be godly, right? We're listening to a sermon. Y'all are listening to a sermon being preached. We just got finished singing worship songs. We're participating in religious things, right? So, so there's a sense to where we all appear to be godly. But only those who have truly trusted in the power of God are truly his. And he says that there's going to be some, some people whose religious is just, religion is just a show. They appear to be godly, but they're not really trusting in the true power, the true power that saves. They're not really trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Romans says, which is the power of God unto salvation, the power of of God unto salvation. These people are going to deny this power. It's, there's people in the last days where this is just going to be a ritual for them to come in and lift their hands and to sing, but they're not really trusting in the gospel that transforms. This is scary. Remember what Jesus said to the religious hypocrites. He said, you guys, you're like whitewash caskets. He said to these Pharisees, you appear to be righteous on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. He's like, man, there's, there's bones of the, you, you, it's like having bones of the dead. You're, you're dead inside, but you appear, you have this appearance of righteousness, but you deny the power. So he says, in the last days, People are going to have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. He's like, avoid such people, Timothy. Avoid these individuals. They're faking it. They're faking it. Now, I want to say to you, we're used to hearing the gospel that saves the drug addict and the prostitute and the drunkard and the one who's in sexual immorality. But the gospel also saves the self-righteous. Jesus came for those who are sinners. And those who, who are self-righteous need a Savior just as much as the individual who's a prostitute. When you think of the tax collector, and you think of the, the one who prayed, there's two people that are praying. You have the tax collector who beat on his chest and sees that he has need for God's mercy. The Bible says he won away justified. But then you have this religious leader who said, man, I tied all the time. <laughs> you know, um, I do all these different things. And he didn't see his need for a savior. 
The truth is they both needed a savior. It's just that one recognized it. May self-righteous people recognize that they need a savior just as much as the drug addict. May self-righteous people recognize that they need a savior just as much as the drunkard. Because the truth is there's no righteousness that we can produce that will be good enough to be accepted by God. So if you're faking, if you're faking, if it's all a show, but you, you are not trusting in the true power of Christ to change, repent and put your trust in the only righteousness that can save you, and that is Jesus Christ's righteousness, his righteousness alone. We see in verse 6 through 9 that they oppose the truth. Verse 6 says, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Um, This is not the description for all women, but Paul is pointing out that these teachers are going after these, these women who are weak, burdened with sins, who are led astray by various passions. So he points out what these false teachers are, then he points out what they're doing. And it goes on to say in verse 7 that there's people who will be always learning, but who will never come to the knowledge of the truth. You're going to have individuals who are constantly hearing sermons and constantly hearing God's word, and they're always learning, but never coming to the truth. Now that's scary. Because truth is not just meant to be heard. Truth is meant to be received. So when we hear truth, we must receive this truth and respond by repentance and faith. We don't want to be people who are just constantly hearing truth, but never coming to the knowledge of what true truth is. I want to say this. If we have come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is that, that he is risen, <laughs> that he reigns and rules, that he's the Lord of our life. If we have been saved and transformed, it's by his grace. And by his grace alone, may we never boast. Because there's many of times I know that I've heard sermons over and over and over again, but my life had never changed. But there was one day where my life truly changed and I repented of my sin and put my trust in Christ where it wasn't just sermons anymore, but Jesus had became a true person who saves and delivers and sets free. For many of us in in this room, that's your testimony. And to God be the glory. May we only boast in his grace. May we only boast in the cross. Verse 8 says, just as Janus and Jimbris opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. He's like, man, these men are opposing um, the truth. Just as men opposed Moses, opposed leaders. These men oppose truth. They're corrupted in mind. Their minds corrupt, and they're disqualified regarding the faith. And then it ends with an encouragement in verse 9. It says this, But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those men. 
I love how the Bible always ends with these encouragements. Where it's like you hear about this evil, you hear about this corruption, you hear about everything that's going on. But God always has the last say. And he says, these men aren't going to get far. All the corruption, all the stuff that's going on, it's going to come to an end. Remember um, two sermons ago where God's word uh, says, this sure foundation will stand. The church is going to stand in the midst of chaos, heresy, false teachers, people departing from the faith. Corruption, the church is going to stand. God is always going to have the last say. Always. Because he reigns. He rules. And he is not sitting on his throne biting his fingernails. He's sitting on his throne in full control. So ARC... We're in the last days, and we need to be sober-minded. Jesus really can come back any moment. He can come back any moment. But all the time that he allows us to be here on this earth, let's be found faithful praying for each other, reaching out to the lost, killing sin, reading our word, praying, striving for holiness. Let us be found looking to Jesus, believing that he really has set us free and washed away our sin. Let us be found doing the works that we have been prepared for beforehand. ARC, let's make sure that our love is not misplaced. The world's tugging on us to love so many different things in this world. But God tells us to love him, to love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. That's the greatest commandment, to love God and to love people. If you find yourself this morning just loving other things. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that you might love. You know what love feels like. The question that needs to be asked is, am I loving pleasure over God? Or am I loving God over pleasure? We, we all have to examine ourselves. Let us make sure that our love is not misplaced, and we have to pray that God would help us consistently to make sure that we're loving him above all things, above all things. May our religion not be a show. Some of us know there's things that we need to confess. Some of us know there's some things that we need to bring into the light. If that's you, confess to a brother or sister. Bring that thing into the light. Don't come in and raise your hands and sing to the Lord, knowing that you're wrestling with these things, and don't sing to the Lord acting like everything's okay. Sing to him, confess your sin, but also confess to others who can help you, who can help you. The Bible says to confess your sin to one another so people can pray for you, so that you can be healed. 
may our, our religion not be a show, but may we come with our flaws, with our failures to the cross and do it together as a body. And as these, uh, these false teachers oppose truth, may we never be found opposing truth. The Bible says, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. We need God's truth in order to change and to be sanctified. So if anything, let's welcome truth more and more into our hearts, more and more into our souls, so that we could be transformed and changed to look more like Jesus. Oh, may God help us. And just keep this in mind. There's coming a day when Jesus will vindicate the righteous. Everything will be set straight. Everything that is crooked will be set straight. All the evil will be done away with. I heard of a sister who just lost her grandfather. Revelation says there's coming a day when there will be no more death, no more tears, no more pain. It's all going to be gone. And we're looking forward to that day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, whom have we in heaven but you? And we want to be able to say, there's nothing on earth that we desire besides you. Our flesh and our hearts may fail. But God, you are the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. You're our portion now. You're our portion today. You're our portion tomorrow. You'll be our portion next week. You'll be our portion next month. You'll be our portion next year. You will be our portion throughout all eternity. Satisfy us, God, with your steadfast love, which is better than life. Fix our gaze upon Jesus and turn us away from lesser things. Help us to hope in you in the midst of tragedy trial, in the midst of suffering, when everything else looks shaky, you're a sure foundation, God, a sure foundation we can stand on. Oh, Father, help us to hope in you. I pray this in Jesus' mighty, miraculous, matchless, triumphant, holy name. Amen. Amen.